It's watering time, everybody! It is time for Apollos Watered! A podcast to saturate your faith with the things of God so that you might saturate your world with the good news of Jesus Christ. My name is Travis Michael Fleming, and I am your host. And today is a watering Wednesday. It is the day to get your faith watered with the word of God. And today we are talking about truth. You know, over two millennia ago, Pontius Pilate asked the famous question, what is truth? It's a question that has never stopped being asked and has only gained greater traction and amplification in our day especially in our perspective-driven news outlets, always giving us what the algorithm says we want. We cry for truth, and whether we realize it or not, we look for authority, too. The two go hand in hand, for whoever has truth should be able to speak authoritatively. You know, before the Panama Canal came into being, many people had tried to scout out the small Central American isthmus in the hope of creating a passageway to unite the seas. One of those groups was nicknamed the Darien Expedition, so-called because Darien was known to be the narrowest part of the isthmus. A straight line from one shore to the other measured less than 40 miles, but Darien at that time was one of the least known and wildest corners of the earth to Western explorers. Amazingly, other explorers had managed to travel from point to point. And perhaps no one received more acclaim than Dr. Edward Cullen, who did so in 1850 when he walked from the Atlantic to the Pacific several times and caused quite an international sensation, inspiring others to capitalize by creating a a bridge connecting the two seas. Many other people came in the hope of doing just that. And one of those expeditions was planned as a joint adventure between England, France, Colombia, then known as New Grenada, and the United States. The first ship on the scene was the was from the United States, called the Cien, led by Navy Lieutenant Isaac Strain. Strain went ashore with a party of 27 men to explore the dense jungle. They brought enough provisions for what was only supposed to be a few-day trip, but rather than waiting for the other ships, they started into the jungle without knowing exactly the path to take. They hoped to find Cullen's old route, but they couldn't. And rather than being just a few days, they weren't seen again for 49 days. Their troubles had begun the moment that they'd set foot on the shore, because soon after taking off on their adventure, they encountered a group of Indians who were impressed by the guns of their ship, and they agreed to let Strain's party pass, but refused to serve as guides. And Cullen's trail was nowhere to be found. So they became hopelessly lost and food ran out within a few days. Their rifles rusted so quickly that they became useless. They tried to follow one of the rivers, which they believed would lead them to the Pacific, but instead actually led them on this circuitous route eastward. A band of Indians tried to warn them that it was the wrong way, but Strain wrongly believed that they were trying to mislead them. In order to survive, the men devoured anything that they could get their hands on, live toads and a variety of palm nuts that burned the enamel off their teeth and caused extraordinary stomach pains. The stifling heat, the unrelenting rains, and the smothering jungle day after day was unlike anything the men had ever experienced. Seven men died. One man went crazy. Despite their setback, 
Strain ventured ahead, leaving the men behind, bringing three strong men along with him to find a way out. When they at last staggered into an Indian village on the Pacific side, Strain was bruised and bleeding, virtually naked and emaciated, weighing a measly 75 pounds. Nevertheless, he managed to turn around and lead a rescue mission back to get his men. The men were described as living skeletons, and due to the toll the trip took on his body, Strain died only a few years later, at the age of 36. I wanted to share that because it perfectly illustrates the problems that many have today. Rather than looking to a map, which is God's word, we try to journey on without him, going on in an endless loop of pain, frustration, and spiritual starvation, and hurting the people around us. As Christians, biblical authority has always been under fire in whatever culture it confronts. It is no less controversial in our day. It used to be that people would simply ignore the Bible's truth claims, but today there is no indifference or attempt to ignore. It is much more overt and confrontational. Rather than the Bible being endured by many unbelievers, as it has been in years past, Now, unbelievers want its elimination. But the Bible cannot and will not be eliminated. Despite whatever cultural headwinds confront it, we must never let go of the Bible either, but grab a hold of it and the truths it presents to us so that we might find life, love, purpose, peace, and joy. I find it continually amazing at how many Christians and denominations leave the Bible behind, as if it is only applicable to one specific culture and time. The issue is not so much the Bible. It is understanding what the Bible says and means, first in the context in which it was written, and then to the people of God today. Without an interpretive bridge, readers are stranded on the shore, trapped by whatever philosophical goblins get to them first. The Bible is God's word, written to a people and for a people, and at Apollos Watered, we are biblically grounded, which is to mean that it is through the lens of the word of God that we look at the world. It roots us. We are fully aware of its genre, language, and the historical and cultural context in which it was written. But nevertheless, it is the word of God, and it's fully trustworthy, not only for us as an organization, but for you with your life. The Bible is both a cultural and transcultural document. While it was written to and for a culture, it is applicable for us today, and we can trust it to be the authority in our lives. And I want to give you three reasons why. The first reason is that it endures. We must remember passages like Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. In our disposable world that moves from one trend to another based upon whatever new approach psychologists say is right, we get one person with letters behind their name and the media then looks to them as the proverbial expert no matter what they say. Titles are great. They mean that there has been a level of accomplishment. But titles don't guarantee truth. Instead, it guarantees a great deal of of words and explanations that present certain ideas as truth. Instead of psychological theories that come and go, we must go to God's word, which endures no matter what time may throw at us. The second reason we can trust it, it's because of its equality of indictment. 
You know, the Bible is equal in its indictment of our sinful humanity. That's why we read in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. There is no way anyone can be objective when it comes to the word of God. I've often heard people say, well, I can step away from the Bible. I'm not connected to it. And I can judge it accurately. Hmm. The problem is, is that none of us can do that. We can't step away and judge it because it indicts us. It judges us. We can't escape what it says about who God is and who we are and the only way that we can get to him. Try as we might, explain it away as we might, but as long as that light from the, from the word is shining upon us, we have nowhere else to go. It indicts us. Therefore, we cannot remain objective. We must be able to see that and know that. The Bible is trustworthy for us because none of us is given preferential treatment. I was talking to a friend of mine who's from Africa. We were talking about politics and how politics can be a crazy thing here in the United States. But watching politics in his country seemed to be even crazier. And one thing that he said to me stuck out. He said, you know, in my culture, whenever a president gets elected, he's always from a certain tribe. And he makes many different promises to each group of people. But when he gets elected, inevitably, he gives preferential treatment to the tribe that he comes from, which leads to an uprising from the other tribes who were frustrated that they are not treated equally. You know, the Bible doesn't give preferential treatment, but treats us all the same as sinful people that God remarkably loves despite our sinfulness. Knowing that the Bible declares us all guilty shows that it is not there to promote one people group over another, but that it's showing us who we all are. Through it, God shows that he cares for all of us because it's the word of God that tells us about the very Son of God. So we know that the Bible endures. We know that it indicts us all equally. But the Bible is also enough. It is enough to show us who God is, what he has done in choosing Israel to bring forth a Messiah who would die for our sins and rose again so that through our faith in him, we could be saved from God's wrath. It shows us how we can live holy lives in the middle of sinful worlds. It's great to learn more about ourselves. There's a lot of talk about learning ourselves, our love languages, personality types, giftedness, etc. But to really live and find peace and purpose, we don't need to know them. They're great tools that we can use and benefit from, but they're not absolutely necessary. Nor could they be sufficient in and of themselves to help us. Instead, we need to go back to God's word that acts as a mirror to our souls to reveal to us who we really are. If we fail to heed the Bible, if we just treat it as any other book, if we do not take its claims seriously, we are just as endangered spiritually as Lieutenant Strain's men were physically. Emaciated, sick, and a bit out of their minds. It could all have been avoided had they just had a map to go by. The Bible is that map for us. It is God's GPS, showing us where He is, how lost we are, and how He got to us. 
to provide us with an amazing salvation. This week, your water bottle is this. Trust God's Word and read it. It's that simple. Whatever system you need to read, and there are plenty of them online showing you where to start, how often to read, how many verses at a time, there are many of them. But find one. Find the one that works for you. Stick with it and trust in His Word. If this episode has helped you, join us. We're looking for watering partners to help this ministry grow so that others can have their faith watered. We are delighted by all those who have partnered with us already. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And for those who are praying about partnering with us, I want you to know this. You are investing in eternity. Go to apolloswater.org and there's a support us button in the upper right hand corner. Click that and you'll find many suggested amounts. Simply select the amount or write in an amount and surprise us. But pick the one that works for you, whatever the case may be. We'd love to have more people grow from connecting with Apollos Watered. If you've been impacted while listening to a podcast, do us a favor. Screenshot the podcast, text it to a friend, share it on stories, or simply share it directly from your podcast platform. Subscribing and leaving a review also puts it out there for more people. And don't forget, we have content on Instagram, Facebook, and our website that is shareable. Together, let's leave a trickle of truth and encouragement around the world and watch people grow. Much thanks to the Apollos Water team of Kevin, Melissa, Donovan, Eliana, Rebecca, and Audrey. Water your faith, water your world. This is Travis Michael Fleming signing off from Apollos Watered. Stay watered, everybody. Thank you.